Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I know I provide a lot of value through this podcast and I want you to share it with your friends, with your families and anybody else that you know that kind of benefit from listening to this kind of content. Go share it through Facebook, in through LinkedIn, through Twitter, through Instagram or any other channels that you want to share it because sharing is caring. Thank you. Let's go on with the show. Hey, audience and listeners, this is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have a very interesting guest uh, from uh, Austin, Texas, which is my backyard. Uh, his name is Ari Rastaga, and uh, he has a really good story to tell and how he has been growing his business uh, to the next level, right? Hey, Ari, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming on. And uh why not you tell our audience about yourself, about your company, you know, what's your focus has been um, recently and for the past uh, few years? Yeah, and uh, absolutely. I mean, our investors are mostly public pension funds, family offices, insurance companies, and high net worth individuals. You know, when I started the company almost six years ago, um, this investment company about six years ago, you know, you were raising from high net worth individuals and you know, trying to try to get what you can get to, to build the business, but we're highly institutional shop. Um, we just launched a $200 million REIT on the broker dealer network yesterday, actually. Um, we have owned hundreds of millions of dollars of assets in Austin, um, over 500 acres of undeveloped land, um, vintage multifamily. We're big investors in the Mueller district, as you know. Um, in Windsor Park. We own about 320 acres down in Kyle that we're building 1,500 single-family homes to rent, 900 multi, uh, multi-units. We own three acres on South Congress uh, that we're developing about 250 multi-units. We have a condo development breaking ground on South First just outside of downtown. We're building an office building on East 8th on 35. Um, we're building 525,000 square feet of industrial on 50 acres next to Tesla's new 2,000 acre site off of 130. Um, if you look at our audited track record, we've invested in 38 cities, 12 states, and seven different asset classes that we've successfully exited. Um, to say the least, we've been busy. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, we're having fun. <laughs> that's really a lot of fun. I mean, that's that's a lot of things for me to cover today. So I'm going to go, you know, a bit more detail into each one of those. But tell me about, you know, who is Ari Rastaga, you know, born and raised in Austin, Texas, I guess. Just give me your background and how did you get started and how did you end up with, you know, owning so many properties and, you know, doing these big deals? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I started out. Uh, my dad was an Iranian immigrant. And I was born here in Austin. My parents divorced when, you know, when I was very little and uh, we moved to Dallas to live with my father. And my father went to SMU for law school. 
and uh, Highland Park School District, which is kind of like Westlake High School, you know, very, very wealthy neighborhood, is actually, SMU is actually in Highland Park School District. So we lived in student housing of SMU so I could go to Highland Park. Got it. So, you know, my father's philosophy was to, um, you know, put me around, you know, successful people and, you know, I don't know if it worked or not, but that was that was his strategy. And he became an attorney a little bit later in life. He became an attorney when I was about 17 years old. And um, you know, I was kind of a kind of a screw up in high school. So I went to community college for for a couple of years and transferred into Texas AM. I was an English major while at AM, um, delivered pizzas, you know, through college, you know, worked full time all through college, graduated top of my class and then went to law school at St. Mary's down in San Antonio. And while in San Antonio, um, this is around 2005, um, I would just drive back and forth to school and it was just like a, a house would go up and you'd see framing, then it would say sold and sold, sold, sold. This is during that subprime kind of area. So I went to a local developer whose name was on a lot of these buildings. We're still very, very dear friends to this day. And I said, look, I'll use all my scholarship money. I'll borrow a few thousand bucks and buy a lot on kind of Canyon Lake area, um, which is a little bit north of San Antonio. And um, he built it for cost and we split the profits 50-50. That was kind of our deal. And so I was on the work side at five o'clock in the morning, pouring concrete um, and, you know, tying rebar and putting up sheetrock and then walking into law class and work boots and studying till midnight and, you know, just kind of worked my way through. And then in 2008, um, I got kicked in the teeth and the banks pulled all the loans and, and he luckily was a very wealthy man, quite a gentleman. He said, look, you're a young man. I'll give you your money back. You know, you can pay your investors back. You'll have good credit. And he ended up selling the portfolio back in 2011 and made a lot of money. So it worked out great for him. He had the liquidity. And my wrestling coach growing up at Highland Park, and I wasn't a very good wrestler, but um, you know, his cousin was the head of all conduit lending at Credit Suisse at the time. So he introduced me to him, who I'd actually met when I was a kid because he was a big cowboy fan, although in New York, and he moved me to New York City. And um, I went to New York and started doing work for him on his personal real estate portfolio. and. Uh, meeting all of his friends that are the masters of the universe that run now Blackstone and Starwood and Brookfield and um, Arbor. I mean, you name it. And um, they kind of jumpstarted my career 20 years. I mean, and then about six years later, I, you know, I kind of was a little disenfranchised. We had our second child. I have three beautiful children. My wife works in the company. My sister-in-law um, is an executive in the company as well. And and I wanted to kind of find a better way to do it. And being, you know, being from Austin, I saw the writing on the wall after Google Fiber um, installed, you know, a billion dollars of hardware here in 2013. Um, I took my wife to Dallas and she hated it. Took her to Houston, she hated it even more. And <laughs> she's from born and raised in Hollywood. And oh. when we met, she was Johnny Depp's personal assistant. So she'd really? seen the whole world. And, you know, I'm just a, you know, normal kid that was, you know, had its head down trying to work and she loved Austin and it was a place we wanted to raise our children. And we came down here and, um, 
and got pretty lucky by meeting a consultant that ran a big public pension fund um, out of Louisiana. They started with a million dollars with me and now they have 38 million. We've been their top performing investment manager for 23 quarters, uh, 23 consecutive quarters. And we started just going long on Austin and being agnostic to deals, but at the same time investing in, you know, like I said, you know, 38 cities and 12 states, all different asset classes. We did a lot of discount retail, a lot of self-storage. And in 2016, we had the opportunity to just exit those portfolios. I was doing LPGP capital to kind of mitigate risk. And we exited and had a great track record and uh, was able to expand the business, you know, put in some great risk controls, being an attorney, having a third party fund administrator, having five years of audited financials and, um, you know, just really doing it in a better way, not trying to overly fee people and charge management fees and acquisition fees and disposition fees. You know, our model is very simple. If we, you know, we can make money together, you make a good preferred return, we split the profits and, um, we started going heavy on Austin because I was here and I, and you know, this is very much a town on steroids. Like you can't muscle your way into the city and there's only two or three brokers that really control this city in terms of who gets deals. And they're my childhood friends, you know, so they knew that they'd get surety of clothes with me and um, we're able to raise some great capital for some great investors all the way from doctors and lawyers to the institutions and um, we were able to scale and we got pretty lucky. You know, we couldn't have imagined that Tesla and Oracle and, you know, all these massive companies would come and uh, the value of the real estate has kind of uh, gone up. And I think that it's for the next 20 years, you know, we'll be the next Palo Alto, call it kind of forget about Silicon Valley, it's Silicon Hills. <laughs> yep, and, um, and with the new REIT, we're investing in the Sun Belt you know, in cities that have strong technology centers like Phoenix, Arizona, Raleigh, Charlotte, um, Nashville, Tennessee, Tampa, Florida, um, obviously the Golden Triangle in Texas, Houston, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio. Uh, and, um, you know, we're just growing and yeah. we do a lot. We own our own property management company. We have our own in-house construction, in-house PE. And um, you know, we do the property management for quality control. And we take these older, smaller vintage properties in class A locations. If you know Austin, areas mm -hmm. like Clarksville or Mueller uh, and, um, and we gut renovate them. I mean, take them down to the studs. I mean, so when we're done, these are class A properties, even though they're 30, 40 year old, we replace mechanical, electrical, roofing, sheetrock. I mean, everything down to the studs. So when you walk in the tenant, or as we call our tenants, neighbors at Rastigar, um, have a class A experience, but for a price that's cheaper than new construction. And so that's been our thesis around vintage multifamily. And in the process, we picked up a lot of, uh, a lot of land that I thought one day with my, my three kids, it would be their problem. And then all of a sudden Oracle and all these huge companies start coming. Samsung announced that they're bringing $10 billion in chip manufacturing here. Uh, we've been in talks with them already for our industrial space and our 50 acres. And um, we're just gonna keep it growing and just enjoy the process. We live out in Westlake. We just bought our office building um, at the hard corner of 360 and B Cave. 
that we're renovating, turning into creative office. And we're just gonna just keep expanding prudently. You know, I'm not the guy people come to for, you know, big, big returns. I'm the guy they come to for singles and doubles. You know, I've always been a capital preservation focused individual that's always looking at the downside and all the different scenarios that could go wrong. And when the pandemic hit, um, was the perfect opportunity to hit the ground running. So I went to one of the insurance companies I know really well, and we closed nine deals in between the beginning of March and the beginning of May. Hmm. When the world had stopped, we just picked up a bunch of stuff and uh, we've been on a buying spree ever since. And it's um, it's been very, very powerful. It's been a tough year for a lot of people uh, for the obvious reasons, but um, you know, this has been by far the best business year, year of my entire career. Got it, got it, wow. That's, I mean, you have really banged on the Austin development, right? I mean, I was in Austin and five years ago, I mean, I'll be very open. I mean, I was looking at deals at 40 a door and I say, that's too expensive, right? And that was like class B. And I said, wow, can, numbers can never make sense, right? Because the rents was lower at that time. And right? now, so, now those are at 150. Now what? 150, 130, one, or oh, more than that. Yeah, right, really good deals right and, and it's just and it's going to keep going up those same those same deals will go to 500 a door 600 doors 700 a door you think I so think you, wow i well i mean look if you look at the math i'm a data mm -hmm. analytics freak you know mm -hmm. we have light we have chips in every light bulb in every rastogar building mm -hmm. chips in all the water heaters if you turn on a microwave in a rastogar building i know it and, <laughs> really that's cool. yeah and we're, we're bringing on a team of data scientists machine learning and artificial intelligence experts at mit mm -hmm. to start making sense of this data because we don't know what to do with it we've just been collecting it Mm. Um, but we know how many times you open and close doors, how many times you drive by the buildings. And uh, we see ourselves as a data technology company that happens to be doing real estate. So we bring mm. a supply chain logistics technology approach. Um, I built a piece of technology called transparency mm -hmm. and it'll launch in the next 30 days. And basically it'll bring investor relations into the 21st century to where for the very first time an investor can log in and in real time have nest cams on every property, be able to see the renovations in real time, be able to see updates on a weekly basis from whether me personally, our property managers, our contractors, showing pictures, videos, and multimedia of showing in real time, you know, how the sausage is actually made. And um, we're filing about 75 patents around that product. And we're gonna use it as a white labeled solution to bring out to bring out to the marketplace, the VCs, financial planners, financial advisors, uh, other real estate investors to bring an unprecedented level of transparency to a deliberately opaque business. Got it, got it. Very interesting. I'll be interested to see that kind of product because that's something that'll be a game changing, uh, game changer product, right? So that's be awesome, awesome. Yeah, because so people during COVID are already scared of everything, and you know, and and you want to be able to show them and give them that comfort. Um, and, you know, during COVID, we collected 99% of our rents and had record breaking applications. And, you know, I wanted to know why. So we ran a survey and we talked to our tenants 
and talked to our applicants and they said, well, I feel a lot safer being in these older apartment complexes because I can walk up one story, walk into my apartment. I don't need to be in an elevator. I don't need to be in a gym. I just want to be what I call the $5 Uber ride. So within a $5 Uber ride, you can be at all the fun stuff, but you're outside the urban core. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And you're delivering a deeper value, you know, to your end consumer by being able to charge, you know, a, you know, a lower percentage of what new construction is, but the experience that they get on the interior is even nicer finish outs than a lot of the new construction, you know, so it's, so it's work very much workforce housing. Um, and a lot of our tenants that are in the buildings now, they transfer from their older units that were unrenovated into the un new unit because we're not trying to charge these crazy amounts, which we probably could, but we want tenant stickability. So we'll charge a prudent amount of money on, on the uptick, anywhere from 18 to 30% increase in rent. But at the same time, by doing all the deferred maintenance and doing all the roofing and mechanical, you're lowering your expense ratio dramatically. All of that falls to the bottom line. So within nine to 18 months, we're doubling net operating income. So even if we were to sell at the same cap rate on the purchase, you've doubled net operating income. Got it, got it. Very interesting, very interesting. And what about this, uh, coming back to some of the cities that you have been buying, you said you bought like 38 cities and you know, like 12, seven different asset class, right? Let's talk about some of the cities that you have invested other than Austin, right? No, and this is all legacy stuff. This is back, in, we exited all those properties back in 2016. So oh, got it, got our, it. So our forward move, we were in Columbus, Ohio. We were in Houston. We were in Dallas. We were in a lot of the cities we're going to continue to continue and to invest in, Des Moines, Iowa, uh, Oklahoma City. But but our forward moving strategy is all in the Sun Belt. Mm -hmm. Got it. You know, you know, the Sun Belt is really going to be our forward moving strategy with a keen focus around this vintage multifamily in under 120 doors. And why that's important is it's the last untouched part of commercial real estate, certainly in multifamily, that private equity hasn't picked over because Blackstone doesn't want to buy a $10 million apartment complex. Mm -hmm. But if I buy 50 of them, it's interesting because you have geographic diversity, price point diversity, and then you have assumable financing with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So if I, in my five or seven year REIT, you know, on a 15 year term sell, they have another, you know, call it eight years of runway mm -hmm. where they don't have to do anything but ride organic rent growth on a beta play. Got it. Got it. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I mean, uh, the, 50 to 150 is where the big institutional guys do want to touch it, right? I mean, a lot of apartment buyers wouldn't even touch it as well. No, they won't touch it. And that's exactly yeah. what my specialty is, institutionalizing smaller deals, but mm -hmm. doing way more deals than the next guy and using technology to systematize the documents for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that we can churn through them quicker than the next folks and then package them together and either do a public offering or sell them in one lump sum. And by being very close with the Credit Suisse guys, the Blackstone guys, the Starwood guys, I know what they want. And so look, we're not gonna buy one, but if you get 30, we'll pay you a massively compressed cap rate because you're giving us diversity and doing all the work. 
correct, correct. And you already done all the work, right? By the time it comes to that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about some of the, when you talk about how do you do this, like, you know, automating the documentation, right? Because it's all a lot of small deals. There's a lot of small work, right? So a lot of work, the same documents for a Fannie Mae financing for a $500 million deal is the same for a $4 million deal. Correct. Right. It's a lot of paperwork. Attorney. But the good part is with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, it's a very it's a very strict box. Okay, so the documents, the checklist, the due diligence, the things that they're looking for with those companies are by 90, 95 percent the same on every deal. Mm -hmm. They need third party reports. They need structural reports They, you know, it's, it's basic stuff. And so when you've done as many as I have, we have a basic understanding of what they need. So we already have docs on the shelf that we know by the most part, they're already looking for. And by doing deals with similar banks like Greystone and Arbor and Newmark and the groups we work with, they already know us and they already know the things we're looking for. We know their counsel. We know the questions Freddie Mac is sensitive to. We know the questions that Fannie Mae is sensitive to. And so we're able to take out a lot of the legwork of it and do them faster, quicker, and more efficiently. And that's where my legal background kind of comes in, comes into play, because I'm technically still a licensed attorney in the state of Texas. And the only reason I know that is because my father reminds me of it every day. <laughs> got it, got it. Reminds me to do my CLEs, because to Iranians, you know, you got to be a doctor or a lawyer or an here and to Indians, it's the same thing. I right? know all the Asians and Iranians. Now I know that you are in the same boat too. You know, either you become a doctor, or you become a CPA, you become a lawyer. Otherwise, no, you're not. It, otherwise, it, you're it, nobody, right? Doctor, lawyer, everything else is second. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, my dad, still, I built, I we built this, you know, real estate empire, and he still introduces me as my son, the famous lawyer. <laughs> he don't want to. He, he don't give credit to your real estate. <laughs> So come back to, uh, you talked about operational expenses reduction where you are going to be doubling the NOI just because you're reducing, I mean, your income would have doubled because now you are you did the rent. Well, let's talk uh, about payment. that. So yeah. if you're talking about a building that's 40 years old, got it. everything's broken. Mm-hmm. The roof has leaks, the toilets are broken, the sinks are broken, the washer, I mean, so meaning the amount of expenses and time and energy it takes to maintain those properties for your tenants, costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so institutional grade multifamily should operate between 32 to 34 and a half percent expense ratio. Got it. Because it's new. Yeah. Things are broken. Mm-hmm. And so if you can literally cut in half the expenses by doing all the deferred maintenance, you're fixing the roof, you're changing the toilet, it's, everything's brand new. You're by lowering those expenses, that money falls to the bottom line and then you're prudently increasing rents. You're, you're adding money to the bottom line from two directionalities. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you also have property tax and insurance, right? which is completely well, out yeah, of but, but that's, but that's part of the, that's already part of the game. You know, mm-hmm. that that's already part of the game, but with interest rates being as low as they are, right. a lot of times that stuff begins to, of course, when you purchase the new property, you know, you underwrite increasing property taxes, 90% to hundred percent, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how you do your stress tests, mm-hmm. but with interest rates being as low as they are and having an interest only period with Fannie Mae, you can get 10 years interest only at 2.4%. 
correct. That's crazy. On a 15 year term. So yeah, property taxes in Texas are a little bit higher, but that all factors into the stress test that all factors into the, into the underwriting. Um, and so what you'll do is you'll go in and do a bridge, mm-hmm. you know, and finance the CapEx. And once you're fully stabilized, you'll refinance it to permanent financing with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Got it, got it, got it. And I think, uh, so you're primarily focusing on utility bills, repair maintenance, and and that's, that that will reduce a lot, right? When you go and do- Oh it, my God, it's a lot of work though. That's the thing people don't get. It's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. Mm. It's work. And so at a $200 million REIT, typically that involves 10 deals because they want to place 20 million equity. Got it, yes. And for me, that and might end up being 30 deals, 40 deals. But at the exit, we expect to make outsized IRRs because we're buying off market from mom and pops. So you're getting, you know, relatively decent deals mm-hmm. and you're lowering expenses, increasing NOI. But if it's me buying a 350 unit apartment complex that Blackstone owned, that sold to Starwood, that sold to Brookfield, I mean, what is there for me to do to really add value? Got it, got it, got it. So your value is basically buying the smaller deals and buying in a lot of it and probably at the end you that's put a, re- a ribbon on it and sell it as that's one it. Big portfolio. That's all right? it is. Yeah. Just, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's very it. smart. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I it mean, like for me- It's a lot of work. It's yeah, just it's a, a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but that's okay to do the work, right? Well, you make a lot of money. I'm a 38-year-old CEO. I'm not good at anything else in this world. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I'm a father to three. I'm a husband. I see my wife, my kids every day because my wife works in the company. The kids are at the office pretty much every day. And But I don't play golf. I don't have any hobbies. I'm an English major, so I'm always reading. You know, I love great books, but I don't, this is who I am. This is not what I do. Mm. So I wouldn't know what to do. My wife always says, I don't know if this guy retired, he'd probably jump off a cliff. Like, you you know, he can't retire. (laughs) He can't stop. Even if he tried, he can't stop. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Yeah, it's very interesting. Like for me, when I started, I started with 45 units. And after that, I went to 174 and 115. After that, I went above 200, right? Because we don't want to touch the small ones. It's too much work. But you said, Hey, I'm going to stay in the small space at all. And I'm going to institutionalize. And, and I mean, you have been, I mean, really good doing very well in, in Austin, right? Because Austin is going crazy right now. Yeah. We're one of the biggest, we might be the biggest owners in Austin now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Ari, so do you think uh, you're, you know, because, you know, your parents are immigrant and, you know, do you think that mentality makes a lot of difference in terms oh, of your partner. Yeah. Oh my God. Of course. Of course. And you and you know that. I yeah. mean, it, it it's a cultural thing. And mm-hmm. you know, and the culture that we were raised as, you know, Iranian. My mother is full German. My dad is full Iranian. And I was raised mostly by, by my father growing up. And education, you know how it is. Education mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. And um reading good books and going to good schools and studying hard. And it's, it's been a blessing, you know, but, but it, it's a cultural thing for us to, you know, to do that. And uh, other cultures share the same thing as well. It's not Correct. just unique to Indians or Iranians. And, mm-hmm. um, but you know exactly what I mean when I say yeah, that, which yeah. is a gift. And, you know, at the beginning, look, it's, it's tough when you miss social gatherings when you're a kid because your dad's, you know, telling you you got to study and, you know, do the stuff. And I didn't want to go to law school. And he said to me, son, after you become a lawyer, you can be an exotic dancer for all I can. <laughs> you're going to be a lawyer first. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. They say do this first, do this degree. After that, you can do whatever, do whatever you want. want. Whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want. And so he didn't say, though, uh -huh. I couldn't start my business in law school. Okay. <laughs> Which you did, I guess, right? So, Which I did. Yeah, that's awesome. Was there any proud moment in your life that you think, I mean, I know you're 38 years old, but, you know, throughout your life right now, do you really think that you really did something very, very, you're proud of yourself that you can bring it to your, you know, to your grave? Um, one moment, one moment. Yes, there's one moment. Um, there's two. Okay, that's okay. Let's one, share it. One is the day that I married my wife. Okay. You have to say that, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> I actually don't. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, my wife, she she was Johnny Depp's personal assistant um, when we met. And she really inspired me because she'd mm -hmm. seen the whole world and met every celebrity, been to everywhere. And I was just a poor kid from mm -hmm. Texas that had, you know, had my head down for all these years. And, you know, she told me I had something special and she made me feel special. And Got it was it. a turning point for me. Mm -hmm. The other is when our first child was born. And I realized that I couldn't be a selfish asshole anymore, that, you know, there was someone else I had to take care of. And um, uh, and then having our two other beautiful children, you know, that's my life. You know, I built this for them. And my grandfather, I was very, very close with. And the reason I named the company Rastigar was for him because they killed our whole family in the revolution. We weren't Muslim. So, you know, and my grandfather was very close with the Shah of Iran and my namesake was a five-star general in the Iranian army. And my, luckily my dad and my uncle and aunt were studying at UT during the revolution and my grandmother and grandfather escaped, you know, very luckily. And this is the story of a lot of Iranians during that time. So my story is mm -hmm. not unique there, but I was born in Austin and um, we were very, very fortunate. And so I look back on that time and I wanted to make my grandpa proud. And he, he said to me, you know, you're going to put your name on the door, but remember that's not your name. That's my name. Oh, and in really? fact, it's not my name. It's my dad's name. And wow. so, you know, when you look at these wall street and I wanted to be a doctor like him and he completely said, no, he's like, you're not going to be a doctor. Fuck that. You're going to be a businessman. You're going to be a businessman. America is the land of opportunity. He loved America. He's like, it's a land of opportunity. You know, a taxi driver can become a millionaire in America. You know, he would say, and, um, and he said, you put your name there. And anytime you think that you're going to be a wall street shark, like these guys, you look over and you glance over and you'll see, you know, your grandfather's name and your great grandfather's name. And you remember who you are and remember to always walk the path and always have the highest level of integrity in everything that you do. And um, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him and, um, and I miss him. Got it. Got it. Got it. So why do you do what you do and where are you heading from here? I mean, you have, you have just launched a 200 million uh, REIT, right? Uh, I'm going. Yeah. Up. Okay. Straight up. Straight up. Beyond the sky. Um, beyond this, beyond the solar system. I'm not stopping. Got it. Got it. Do you have a target on what are you going to be doing? I mean, um, um, 
You know, look, it's very strategic. It's very strategic what we're doing. And what we've been able to do is be, I, I joke when I say those things, like we mm-hmm. want to build prudent asset allocated uh, portfolios. And with the $200 million re, we might raise $123 million. And I feel like we have the right geographic diversity, the right, right price point diversity. And I might shut it down. Might be 70 million, might be 192 million. It's going to be all about asset allocation. It's not about money. We can raise the money. There's no question. We have an audited track record. We have had a lot of success in the city and all across the country. We can raise the money. And I could have probably raised this REIT three years ago, but we weren't ready technologically. We didn't have the right team. The systems weren't right in place. And I'm not a money worshiper. You know, I don't wear watches and drive Ferraris and all yeah. that. This is all for my kids. Like I do this because I love it. Mm. This, I love what I do. And, um, but there's a lot of opportunity. The, you know, the stock market kind of scares me right now. And um, I pray for, for President Biden that he, he does a lot of things that he said in the inauguration. I don't really get into politics. And people ask me, am I a Republican? Am I a Democrat? And I say, I'm an American, you know? And, and as, a, as an attorney, I swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States. You know, so whoever my president is, they have my love, they have my prayers, they have my respect. You know, there's things that Trump said that I didn't agree with. There's things he said I agreed with. There's things that President Biden says that I agree with. There's some I disagree with, but it's a temporary job. You know, they're not there forever. You know, so what I do know is a lot of the people from California are moving to Austin, which is going to make our investors great money, knock on wood. You know, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a market timer. You know, we have patient capital and we're going to do good work. And we're not, you know, there's an old saying on Wall Street, bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. (laughs) And we're looking to be right in that sweet spot to deliver great value to all the people involved, whether it's our bankers, investors, tenants, um, our team, our employees, and just do something that's win-win you know, and enjoy the process as much as we can. Is it work? You're fucking right. It's work. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. It's a lot of but, work. But it's, but work is worship. We do our work, you know, to contribute. And that's what I'm driven by. I'm driven by doing something. I sketch a lot of the buildings myself. Um, I'm very much in, you know, see myself as an artist in that regard that I want to build the future of what real estate should be with the HEPA filters and, you know, the wellness. And I'm very into health and wellness myself, but I do this because it's my passion and, you know, talking to me for the, you know, however long we've been on this call, you can tell that I'm obviously uh, a passionate guy about what Mm -hmm. I love. And and this is who I, this is who I am. And people say, Oh, what's your work-life balance? I was like, I don't have any work-life balance. Yeah, There's no such thing, right? Well, I mean, (laughs) you just work. (laughs) Maybe maybe the guys have it that have worked nine to five and God bless them. Mm -hmm. But this is my life. Every day is a Monday. If the day ends in why I'm working. Yeah. But it's because by choice. You just work as it is, right? You just work, you just have fun and move on. Right. So it's, it's just, yeah, it it's just who I am. It's yeah. not what I do. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me how many hours I put in a week, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. Correct, correct. And if correct. I have free time, I'm with my children. Like this morning, I was out of town last week on the road show, meeting with a bunch of uh, family offices and pension funds and uh, broker dealers. And this morning I got up super early, took my daughter to school and got to spend some time with her. And then my son goes to school a little bit later. He's five, waited around, hung out with him, got him ready, took him to school. And 
uh, hung out with my little baby for a little bit and you know that's what it's all about you yeah. know it's about it's about the family and it's about the things that really matter because at the end of the day this is all for them I, i'm a simple man you know it's i my wife's family grew up on dirt floors you know they killed my whole family i delivered pizzas not it wasn't 15 years ago i was delivering pizzas and pouring concrete you know and so we had a lot of grace and a lot of providence to be able to be where we are and did we work hard you're fucking right we did but but a, but a lot of it was luck too. being born in Austin, buying these properties, having these companies come in. And I believe it's because we're good stewards of capital and that, you know, we've been you know, I've been given this blessing to do good work for good people. And the moment that I can't contribute, I'm done, you know, but I need to be adding value, creating value. And, you know, it's. Um, and that's really what it is. Yeah. yeah and my yeah. book comes out in April, by the way. Oh, what's the name of the book? The name of the book is The Gift of Failure. That's a really nice name. I'll send but you a copy when it comes out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do that. I'll be interested to read that. So, all right, Ari, very nice to have you on the show. So why not you tell our audience how to get hold of you, your website or anything you want to, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, you've been looking at this Rastigar here at the back the whole time. You can just Google Rastigar property or Ari Rastigar or anything of that such. You will find our website or click news. There's thousands of articles. We've been in the Wall Street Journal. I'm a columnist for Forbes. We're in the New York Times. I mean, it's very, very, very easy to find me if you're looking for me. Um, LinkedIn, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff myself. I have a team that does it, but they keep me updated. You can go to our website at rastogarproperty.com. Um, but a simple Google search of me will tell you more than you ever wanted to know. And um, obviously we have a lot of investment opportunities right now. Um, with the new REIT and some of the other things that we're doing privately and feel free to reach out and somebody on the team and you'd be surprised. I take a lot of those calls myself still um, more so because I love the human interaction and I enjoy telling the story and it's something that, you know, that's that, that I still really love doing. And plus, I don't know how to turn it off. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so you, you'd be shocked if someone reaches out, they, they, they might get me on the phone, actually. Yeah. How many of these podcasts have you done before? How many what? How many of these podcast uh, session have you recorded before this? Oh, God, I have no idea. 50, maybe? 50, maybe. Okay, got it. 20, got it. 30, 50. I, I, I lose count. This is my second or third today. Oh, cool. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, Ari, nice to have you on the show. I'm sure you add, add tons of value, a lot of information that you put in. I think it's very inspiring to hear your story as well. I mean, you know, hopefully at least one person would hear your story and inspire and do something, right? Because sometimes people just don't do anything, right? I mean, they just listen to this podcast and it's just it, right? I'm going to move on to the next thing and go to another job and just do something else. Look, which is I'm, I will tell you, if a regular kid like me with a speech impediment and a stutter and a lisp and didn't have anything going for me can can do what I've done. I assure you all of your listeners are much smarter than me because I'm not the smartest guy in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but with some hard work and some good goals, knowing where you're going, it's all possible. I assure you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Much love, my Bye. brother. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audiobook, 
It's the audio version of his best-selling book on passive investing. You can get the audiobook completely free, along with other valuable resources, by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audiobook. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for Multifamily Investors Group. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.